Welcome to another Well Workplaces podcast. I'm Tom Bosner and today I'm chatting with Poppy Griffiths. Poppy, how are you? I'm good, Tom. How are you? Yeah, going well, going well. We are talking about supporting working mums today, um, particularly with trying to, I guess, look at how they can lean into their careers with a bit more confidence is, is really what we'll be discussing today, Poppy. Now, you're obviously a working mum and no doubt have a lot of friends that are in a similar boat, maybe through school or, or colleagues and others. Um, what do you think really stops women from leaning into what they really want at, at work? What do you think? Oh, that's a big question. I think in this day and age, there's many working mums that absolutely really want a successful career and they're really working hard at pursuing that. Yet, you know, there's always this feeling, this undercurrent of, of family demands that really drag us, you know, down into the weeds. And a lot of it's fabulous, mm. but a lot of the demands can drag us back down in the, uh, in the weeds, if you like. And I think it impedes sometimes on our ability to really lean into what we want in other areas of our life. And, you know, by way, I, it is that sort of pursuing a really successful career. And it's funny, actually, I know myself, I often feel that it's myself to blame in some ways for some of the imbalances that I know I feel in work and life. You know, I, I do want a successful career, but yet I do feel this undercurrent of, of home demands. And I think for a lot of working women, they would say that, yeah, these things do probably sound familiar. And, you know, I ask myself often, what are these? Like, what is it that's really like, I think, holding, holding me back by way of the demands that drag me down from a family's perspective? And I think women do tend to have overly high standards. So, you know, insisting that things at home have to be perfect and just right and, you know, just as we like it. And it's almost sometimes to, I think, a bit of a skewed sense of loyalty that, we hold ourselves back and to such high standards at home, not not because we want to be perfect, but because we almost feel like we're not good enough in the roles that we're playing at work and home. So it's almost like we're overcompensating to really try and make up for our perceived shortcomings for, you know, throwing ourselves into our career. So therefore, we must not be perfect at home. And the reports will tell you that some of the most senior executive women suffer from this skewed sense of loyalty the most. And they really turn to become quite introspected and self-examining in really a continuous loop of self-criticism because they are pursuing their careers and feeling like, oh gosh, you know, I should be trying to do more at home and prove that I'm also a devoted mother and wife as well. Mm. So yeah, I definitely think that skewed sense of loyalty can, can, can play in. And I think too, we do have, I know myself, a bit of a reluctance sometimes to delegate. So humans at, on a whole are not good at recognizing in themselves that they're bad delegators. We see it in others, but funnily enough, we're not good at seeing it in ourselves. And women inherently believe more strongly that they can do it all. And and that will show up in any stats you read around multitasking. Um, You know, women can multitask left, right and centre. But funnily enough, for men and women, when we are multitasking, our effectiveness really declines. I've read mm. stuff where it declines by up to 40%. So really, when we don't delegate we're actually proving to be less effective for ourselves. And boundaries would be the other thing. So I do think women, we take on 
a larger caregiving role in society. And we're also proud to be hardworking and connected to those at work, but also those in our communities and, and at home. But when we do take on everything all the time ourselves, it's actually leaving very little time for ourselves. And it also, if you're wanting to pursue a career, a successful career, having that lack of boundaries actually sometimes jeopardizes our success in our career. So mm. being aware, I think more aware of boundaries is really important. And I think too, waiting, I it just, you know, when it comes to, you know, waiting for when it's the best time, waiting for when I'm ready to, you know, jump mm. into this. We insist we have to be 100% ready on everything to take that leap of faith or believe that we've earned the right to throw mm. our hat in the ring and go for that next opportunity at work. So, yes, we need to stop waiting and just jump in. <laughs> just jump in, yeah. It's, I mean, I, I think of the women in, in my life and I'm always amazed at how much they firstly get done in their lives, whether that be at work or at home and in the community as well. I've got some great role models in my my mum and obviously my wife as well. And I'm just often I'm just thinking, how the hell do you keep up with all of this plus work at the the rate that they do? And when you when you were talking then I was just thinking, gee, there's just a lot of things that working women have to consider and the mum guilt thing obviously I've heard I've heard in our business I've heard mums say that so you're describing that kind of in a more intelligent way I guess (laughs) there sort of a lot of it is mum guilt right like it's guilty that we should be doing all of this and therefore we don't delegate you know it's guilt Mm. that we're pursuing our career, but what about, what about our family? So we sort of come mm. back to this, sort of having this skewed sense of loyalty. And I think, you know, always ho- often holding overly high standards on ourselves and not getting help and being open to asking for help. So mm. yes, we can do a lot. Yes, we're often quite effective, but I think we need to also stop and ask ourselves, well, if we do really want to succeed at, you know, work or if we really do want to succeed at home, whatever that success looks like for you, just think about like, are you actually doing things that are setting yourself up for success? Are you allowing yourself to lean in to confidently doing what you want without the guilt? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Can I give you a quick example of mum guilt um, that was with my wife this morning? I just think it's funny because it was this morning. So last day of prep today, walking with my daughter and my daughter noticed that some mums and others were going to the assembly, but my wife was going to work. And so my daughter was like, I want you to stay because all the other parents are here. And there wasn't like all the other parents. There was like five or something. And then my wife came home and she's like, oh, my God, I feel so, so bad and so guilty. But anyway, that I thought that was just a funny or not a funny one for my daughter, Willow, but it was just an interesting one of how that kind of loops around to result in mum guilt. Meanwhile, my wife had to run to a really really run to a meeting somewhere semi-important. So just a funny live example on a Friday. And <laughs> that happened, that would happen most, oh, yeah. most and our weeks kids, for everyone, right? Our kids absolutely setting us up for, to feel <laughs> to feel that switch as well. Yeah. Absolutely. So given that, you know, what you've described there is I guess there's a number of of barriers for, for women to sort of that they need to work through to help them lean into their careers. What what are some things to consider what are your sort of hot takes there 
it's really about the barriers, right, that we've put up for ourselves, the things that are holding us back. I think when we want to get ahead at work, it's important that we're also we're thinking about our time management. I think that's a very important one for a busy working mum. Time is just the essence of everything. And time, you know, this starts at home. And really thinking about, as we've talked about earlier, changing that division of labour at home. And that can be different for everyone, for every couple, for every family, you know, single parents. It's obviously even harder again. But I think each of us has to ask ourselves, what does our time management look like? Can can we give ourselves permission to do what we want to do and not feel guilty? I, I almost say, like, if we do actually put ourselves last, right, no one wins. It's the same thing. You know, if you're not at your best and if you're not healthy and happy, then the others around you are not healthy and happy. So I think it's really important that we do give ourselves permission to do what we want to do in the first instance. I think coming back to that division of labour, what can we do to negotiate for more fair at home? And it may not be even, but just fair, like what is actually going to be possible and, you know, work for you and how can you actually potentially be better thinking about task distribution, so to speak, you know, who, who can do what. And especially, obviously, having those conversations with your partners and with your kids, especially if you're a single parent, obviously having those discussions with your kids as they get older is so important, mm. you know, they're all put in at home. Is this where people just end up with a cleaner if they can? Do you know, buying time, Tom, is actually not, you know, it's obviously if you're in a position to be able to afford it, yeah. but where we can buy time, it often can can really help. And buying time doesn't necessarily always mean having to have a financial outlay. Like buying time mm. could be reciprocal with friends. You know, what can you do to help others? And we know when we help, obviously help is so reciprocal, like it tends to come back in tenfold. So, you know, as working parents, what can we do for others to also allow us more time. And I mean, mm. we do this school community myself all the time. We're always, we have a child coming home today. Um, and I know other families at the drop of a hat would do the same for me when I get called mm. with work. So I think regardless of what that help looks like, don't feel guilty. Like don't feel guilty to ask if you can afford it. Don't feel guilty to hire in some mm. support and help. You know, don't feel guilty to be involved in the community and then have the community involved in helping you. I think as women, we have this guilt that we can't ask for help and that we, again, we don't delegate and we take it all on and we, you know, get too overwhelmed. Um, mm-hmm. So I think basically in a nutshell, when, when we can relieve ourselves, I think from some of the household pressures and the family pressures, we ourselves are more resilient. We can be more focused. We can be more confident and really more intentional about our goals. And those goals can be at home in family life, but importantly, they can also be in our careers as well. Yeah, that's awesome. And I think as well, it's kind of like if you can, I say, buy in help. And, and as you put it, it's not necessarily always a financial outlay. But if you can get that, what do you, you like the benefit is obviously energy. I always talk about energy, like you've only got X amount of energy. So if you can conserve a little bit of that to then expend on things that you like, obviously that's beneficial for you and in at work as well. You have a little bit more energy there, but then if you get to complete something and you, you get a bit more satisfaction because you're not multitasking as well. 
And it's beneficial for family as well. I mean, when you're when we have mm. good energy, right, and where we're focusing our energy on the things that we're passionate about and that we're making great contributions. And I know we talked about this last week by way of time and energy. It's we are better parents to our kids as well. So yeah, buying in help, whatever that asking for help, whatever that looks like, it works in you know, it works in everyone's favours. And I think the, the most important thing too is that we forget people like being asked to give a helping mm. hand. Think mm. about when you've been asked for help, you know, a, a majority of people will be first ones to put up their hand and want to help. Like as humans, it's innate that we want to do that. So we want to do it, but we forget ourselves that it's okay to ask. Mm. I've had some... Um... I guess changing topics a little bit here, but I've had some really interesting, we're hiring a little bit at the moment in our business and um, been interviewing a few new people and it's been awesome to chat with lots of great candidates and most of those are working parents or working mums especially and it's been really nice to hear them present themselves in a way that's like talking about how the families are priority and kind of working out what the role is and, and how flexible it is and that kind of thing. And it's been nice for, for that to, to just to come out naturally in, in conversation. Um, in saying that though, I feel that sometimes working mums can kind of present, although it looks like they're presenting with that feeling of like, I guess, imposter syndrome, like they shouldn't kind of be, kind of be there or in some ways. Um, yeah, it's almost is, like they should. They shouldn't be there because they're asking for those priorities. Yeah. That, that therefore they don't deserve to be. Exactly. And I'm like, oh, and I'm, I'm just like, yeah, of course, of course it's flexible. Of course your family's a priority. So it was kind of a, a nice conversation. But at the same time, I'm like, oh, don't, you know, the imposter syndrome thing, like for, for women, I'm assuming that fits into the whole for, yeah. for working mums. Is, is that, is that just, did I just make that up or is that fact, factual? No, I think that's very factual. I mean, the, anything you read will say women naturally have these higher feelings of imposter mm. syndrome than men do. And I think mothers particularly innately carry and feel so responsible and want to do this parenting job so very well, you know, as they say perfectly even outside of a job sense, like the family sense, imposter syndrome can actually get us as well as mums, you know, where we think that we should be doing everything perfectly as a mum and we've got this doubt that we're not, like we're not good enough and we're not doing a good enough job. And I think, yes, absolutely, that then translates into a work setting as well. And I think just explaining so people know, like in terms of the imposter phenomenon, it's so people know it's it's that feeling of I can't be good enough, I'm not good enough, you know, e- even though I do all these things in my job or I do all of these things for my child and my family, I feel like somehow I'm failing. And that really is what's at the bottom or the heart of imposter syndrome. And I think as working parents, you're right, and as working mums, it can supercharge. It can be even more supercharged. I, I was looking actually at a study at the start of the pandemic that KPMG conducted on imposter syndrome, and they mm. surveyed 750 professional women in early to middle career, so not from C, not from senior exec level, from top companies and brands about their experiences with imposter syndrome and how they've successfully overcome it. And interestingly, across all of 
the results, the top three cited causes of imposter feeling for women were family expectations, gender roles, and societal stereotypes. So Mm. we think about who imposter syndrome is going to come and chase. Working mums, you know, with family expectations, gender roles, and societal stereotypes, I mean, yeah, it it absolutely comes for working mums and we are definitely at risk. Yeah, it's a it's a recipe for um the imposter monster those three things, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Given that and and you're a working mum as well, what do you think is important for working women to consider um to help overcome it? Is there anything through through that study that came out as like the the key tips or or your tips in particular? Yeah, I think look, my tips on this is the the first step really is to understand what you're feeling and why. Like we actually have to sort of disassociate ourselves with the feeling and stop and say, like, what is it? Why Why am I feeling this? So, you know, once you've identified what that sort of confidence culprit is, um, you're able to better start dealing with it. Um, you know, if, is it that you doubt your technical ability in a, in, a, in a work sense? Is it that you fear being successful in your job? You know, is it that you're terrified to fail? or feel that you could never, ever possibly win that promotion, or in your example, Tom, like, you know, feel like you're deserving for a job. So identifying that confidence culprit is really, really important. You know, women do put higher pressure on themselves not to fail than men. Absolutely, they do. And there is also women have higher self-doubt and fear of success And that fear of success almost is like self-sabotaging in itself. So I think identifying and labeling what is actually causing this feeling is, is the absolute first thing. We can't do anything about it until we actually label it. I imagine there, Poppy, to be quite specific as well is important because I, if I was to do that exercise, I'd, you know, and I was, in a rush, I'd be like, oh yeah, I'd just, you, you do something, you, you write something down that's pretty vague, but if you can get really specific on what you're really feeling, then you can actually do something with it, I guess, right? Yes. And I think too, you can start to notice whether every time you're feeling this, is it actually coming back to the mm. same cause the whole time? And a lot of the time it is, but we don't consciously take the time to do that. I think, you know, also to talking, talking to others and building up other women is so important because, you know, it's important that we as women have a network of working colleagues and working mums to be able to share our experiences, to be able to share, you know, when people have done a great job and to be able to tell them so. It's amazing, actually, like as a community, we're there to exist for one another, right? And a praise can go a long way to really break down any self-doubt and confidence. So, you know, if you if you feel it yourself, certainly in a work setting, think about what you can do by way of supporting and giving recognition and bolstering the success for other women, mm-hmm. because that absolutely will help break it down. I think too, there's a lot talking about communication and language around imposter syndrome. So, you know, not being assertive enough. So, you know, we tend to have this, you know, inclination to say, you know, I, I feel that this may be the way forwards rather than being really confident in our decisions. Mm. And you know, I, I think this is the way forward. So even actually just thinking about how you, 
how you talk and how you use language in itself can actually be a really great way to start to sort of boost your confidence by being more assertive. It's also on that one, it's kind of how people apologise at the, you know, they say, oh, sorry, does that make sense? So after saying a, a statement, for example, so it's trying to trying to knock all that out of the, the lingo, eh? Yeah, and I think that's the self-doubt, right, that often mm. creeps in, almost this self-doubt of like, you know, I feel this may be the way rather than, you know, I think this is the way forward, being, you know, confident. So that's really important. And I think too, interestingly, the KPMG study did say that the number one factor really for women to beat imposter syndrome is to have a supportive manager or to have a mentor or, you know, somebody trusted, certainly in a work setting. And that that is so important. So to be able to actually have, you know, women that you look up to as mentors and also to think of yourself as a mentor, like back to being able to share your own experiences, everybody has talents and, you know, wonderful attributes and experiences to be able to share with others, you know, in a work or in a family setting. So, you know, take the time and give yourself the credit to be a mentor as well to others and and to support other women. Yeah, I love it. And I love it at work in a work setting when you see someone connecting with a slightly older person, getting the perspective and wisdom from them, and then also connecting with some younger um, people, even if it's five years, because there's actually a lot that can change in five years of, of life in terms of what your priorities are. But in a work setting as well for women, that's that's obviously for for some women, that's through the, the parenting years as well, no doubt. So you've raised a good point around looking to other women, certainly that are at different life stages, because I think often, you know, looking forwards to where there may be women in your organisation that are a few years ahead of you having kids, that sometimes can be just as reassuring and confidence boosting and helping to be able to have good relationships and get good advice from them, as well as obviously reaching out to working parents that are at a similar stage to you. So yeah, really think about how you can sort of, I guess, diversify your support network. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much for your time. Um, you're actually probably have some parenting style commitments right now, as do I. We had a bit of a, a bit of a time frame to work through today. So thanks so much, Poppy. Have a great afternoon with your lovely children. Take care. And you, you too, Tom. Thanks for tuning in to another Well Workplaces podcast. If you've loved the show, it would be fantastic if you could leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Or feel free to follow us on LinkedIn or Instagram and search Well Workplaces or my profile, Tom Bosner. The show is produced by Alice Hoyle and is made in my backyard cubby. If you would like to hear more about our exclusive events and more about the Well Workplaces community, feel free to email me directly at tom at wellworkplaces.com.au where I'd love you to tell me who I should interview in the future podcasts and also tell me what you've loved most about the show. This podcast is really built on community input and built on the aspiration of inspiring healthy change in every workplace. Thanks for listening.